Hello, everybody. Good morning. My name is Hideki from Japan. I'm very happy to be here to talk uh, to you today. Uh, my topic is about uh, developing migration systems in Europe and Asia. But uh, basically, I'm looking for a citizenship to think about such system. Uh, firstly, of course, as you know, globalization and migration is, has become uh, very, very active, more and more. Like, for example, uh, if I talk about my personal case, uh, I was in Paris to teach for five months at Sciences Po uh, before middle of June, and came back to Japan to teach. And I went to the Toulouse, France for a conference. I came back to Fran uh, Japan, and also I came to this, this country for conference and research. This kind of thing happened, very everyday life. So as a result, there are very, very difficult questions, like how can we uh, make uh, society, how can we uh, carry out integration in multicultural societies? And one possible solution is citizenship. Yes, many people expect, oh, citizenship is very important, and citizenship is a very good tool to integrate people including nationals and non-nationals, migrants, uh, natives, whatever. However, in the globalization, it is very often said citizenship has been transformed. For example, in North American countries and uh, Western European countries and British Oceanian countries, in these areas, something happened. Citizenship has changed, um, basically toward Liberalized, liberalized trend. So what happened? What has happened outside the comfort zone? This is my question. So I put the uh, question here, research question here. Does Asia also converge in migration and citizenship like Western countries and comfort zone? Why uh, or why not? So what perspective is needed to explore this question? So shall we think about this question afterwards? Ooh. How can you do that? <laughs> this is, oh yeah, okay. This is basics of citizenship. Citizenship is composed of status, rights, duties, identity. That's all right for you. Then, then in status, now, in migration age, uh, succession, naturalization, and double citizenship are issues in terms of status. And also, civil rights, political rights, social rights, and collective rights. These are issues in terms of rights. And also, national identity, multiple identity, transnational identity, blah, blah, blah. These are issues in terms of identity. However, I have to make a note here. The state, the state tries to use this citizenship to regulate and integrate migrants and migration and foreigners, right? Like this. For example, the state tried to make boundary one for so-called irregular immigrants and boundary two for temporary stayers, boundary three for denizens, boundary four for second-class citizens, boundary five for first-class citizens. So the state is struggling to integrate and regulate migrants. This is called Hama Koido Tarumoto model. Sorry, Tarumoto is my name. <laughs> okay, in the comfort zone, what happened? 
Again, it is very often said in conference of, in the terms of status, yes, liberalizing access to citizenship uh, has happened. Yes, very often said. And also in rights, while social rights are weakening, but uh, alien minority rights comes for, comes to the fore. This is it. And also in terms of identity, now comfort zone countries uh, try to upgrade uh, national identity uh, in terms of uh, uh, at the time of naturalization, for example. Then such countries <coughs> fall into paradox of universalism, like uh, uh, they are liberal regimes, but for integration, they try to introduce um, national identity. So that's why such comfort zone countries are, uh, face some dilemma, like between much cultural freedom or national order. This is the situation of comfort zone countries, like, of course, including West European countries. So this trend is universal trend. What particular trend? Just in uh, the comfort zone. Okay, let's go to Asia. But Asia is huge, too large to, to research just one hand. So that's why, shall we look at Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan? Sorry, Indian colleagues, please wait for a moment. Sorry, colleagues from North Korea, please be patient. Yes, maybe next time, next research, I'm going to your countries for research. So let's uh, try to find and create a perspective of the analysis of these countries. And then shall we extend to the perspective to Europe and other countries in comfort zone? Right, this is Japan. Okay, detail is all right. Just a very, very point. Japan now holds two kinds of migrants, two kinds of foreigners called old comers and newcomers. Old comers are, uh, they migrated to Japan in pre-war era and their descendants. This is it, uh, mainly Koreans and Chinese. And also newcomers, they came to Japan uh, after 1980s, and they include the diverse profiles, like high school people, entertainers, care migrants, trainees, Japanese descendants, blah, blah, blah. In particular, I think some of you are interested in the Japanese descendants, so-called Nikkeijin, from Brazil, from Peru, and sometimes uh, from the Philippines. They are very, very uh, particular migrants for Japan. And they uh, work, but they are working for uh, unskilled labor uh, jobs, right? And Japan, uh, Japanese government uh, established a, a kind of strict policy regimes, uh, three stages, like 1952, 1982, 1991, uh, like this. Okay, details are right. Don't care about that. Okay, shall we go to the South Korea? Lovely country. I love that. Foods are very nice. After middle of the 80s, of, of course before that, South Korea was an emigration country. But after middle of the uh, 80s, South Korea began to accept 
massive number of uh, migrants, like irregular migrants and marriage migrants and Koreans abroad. Then the South Korea adopted, adopted so-called foreign trained scheme. Uh, it imitated a Japanese system. Then now South Korea officially, officially began to introduce unskilled workers. This is very amazing for Asian countries. So I can summarize the policy trend. Like, firstly, South Korea imitated Japan. But now, uh, South Korea uh, began to take positive policy, in particular after late 2000s. OK, this is it. OK, shall we go to Taiwan? Taiwan began to receive unskilled workers after 2000. Before that, uh, Taiwan uh, did not uh, welcome uh, many migrants, actually. And then uh, Taiwan uh, began to accept the unskilled workers, domestic and care workers, and marriage migrants. And Taiwan, made, Taiwan holds uh, these kind of migrants with profiles. I can summarize this policy like that. Taiwan has uh, some characteristics, such as bi-governmental agreement in terms of uh, uh, unskilled workers, introducing unskilled workers, and also very strict control against them. And in particular, population quality, Taiwan always think migrants like these are good migrants or bad migrants, this kind of thing. And Chinese migrants are very special. OK, shall we go to the citizenship? Um, very briefly, in status, in the, in the aspect of status, Japan, I'm afraid, Japan shows anti-liberalization, I'm afraid. Long tradition of youth sanguinists, no youth story, and only skilled workers can, re can have uh, residence and labor, just smaller number of naturalization, no dual nationality. South Korea shows very similarity with Japan, but of course I have to put officially introduction of unskilled workers. And diaspora policy is a bit different for, from Japan. And again, Taiwan shares the same similarity with Japan, but again, officially uh, introduced uh, unskilled workers. And nationalization is a bit easier permanent residence. And Dublin citizenship is permitted. And overseas terrorism for investment uh, is introduced. This is it. This is the status uh, characteristics. The second aspect is rights. OK, Japan, again, I'm afraid Japan shows us some anti-liberalization uh, characteristics, like social rights is not generous, and weak, very weak alien rights uh, in terms of discrimination, education, alien registration. Alien registration just abolished, but uh, before that, for a long time, uh, it, uh, it persists. And rare manager public officers, and in terms of old comers, no correct uh, uh, bills of local service has not been passed. And minority rights, in terms of minorities, no correct rights, uh, almost no correct rights uh, has been introduced. So South Korea, again, uh, a bit similarity you can find. But now, foreigners' policy committee was established in the government. And support system for foreign spouses are established in local areas. And local service for permanent residents has been established. Very good, this country. And Taiwan, 
And some money, some minority rights for indigenous uh, is uh, 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 introduced. And guest worker system, very, very severe, that's it. Health check is very severe. For example, uh, employers should uh, have some duties to make employees uh, do health check. This is called privatization control. Uh. Okay, last aspect is identity. This is it. Japan, I'm afraid. Japan uh, has no worry about the integration and no citizens test for naturalization because there is no debate on who should be nationals because they are very clear. That's very clear for Japanese. Japanese are Japanese. This is it. So, so that and as a result, foreigners must have some uh, used Japanese language, have, must have Japanese culture. This is that's very self-assured. So far from liberalization. If you go to North Korea, so-called they say multicultural debate has going on. And for example, I was invited to um, uh, talk by the National uh, Folk Museum uh, just in front of media and uh, many newspapers and new uh, two TV crews came and uh, my talk was broadcasted all over the South, South Korea. So I was suddenly become a media star. And uh, Taiwan, yes, pursuing, very strongly pursuing ethnic national identity. In particular, for example, uh, language class for lower class passes from Southeast Asia. Okay, shall we go? Okay, shall we go to the conclusion? Very good. One minute. If you compare to comfort zone like Europe, you can find these kind of characteristics in Asia. For example, in comfort zone, status, inclusive, trend, rights, tolerance, and identity. Yes, seeking national now. However, in Asia, status is exclusive, and rights is intolerant. And identity is assuming national, national, uh, national identities, very, very self-evident. So that's why if you use the HKP model, Hamakoi Tarumoto model, like that. In a comfort zone, if you have status, you can find some rights. You can have some rights. And under some conditions, you can going up to the, uh, closer to the first class citizen. However, in Asia, Foreigners and minors should return, just temporary stay. This is very self-assured. Mm. However, we should think about another thing. This is very important because, because even within Asia, there are some diversity. Yes, as you find. For example, uh, oh, sorry. This is a uh, that's. A, just before that, uh, why such a uh, does not Asia converge uh, toward the West? <laughs> Three factors, I think. Strong ethnic national citizenship and colonial legacy and fewer foreigners, stayers, and less diversity. So these factors make uh, some path dependency. <laughs> so Asian countries cannot deflect towards Western trend very easily due to this path dependency. However, there is some diversity between uh, Asian countries. Why? This is a very, very important question to ask, to think about migration system. Why diverse? For example, uh, Korea, Japan, Taiwan. I think Korea is the uh, most liberalized country uh, so far at the present time. 
I think there are four factors at least, like economic growth, influx of foreigners, joining advanced countries club, governmental party. For example, Taiwan. Yes, economy, a bit lag, relatively lag, if you compare to Japan and South Korea. And of course, Taiwan wish to become the, wish to join the so-called advanced countries club, like a G7, G8, G20, something like that. But of course, there's mainland China, rivals too strong. And foreigners, after 2000, influx began a bit later. And government is a, a kind of conservative. So that's why Taiwan, Taiwan and these kind of factors make Taiwan keep straight toward, straight attitude toward foreigners. But Japan, yes, economy, yeah, Japan advanced in the 60s and 70s, and just after that, Japan tried to join the advanced country club, and that's successful. And foreigners came after the 1990s, and government conserved. So these timing and timing are different. So that's why Japan just experienced slow citizenship advancement, I'm afraid. But Korea, South Korea, that time, economic development and, uh, and joining, trying to join advanced club, uh, adv countries club, and also influx foreigners and government, relatively liberal. These factors are time overlapped, right? So that's why uh, Korea, South Korea, could experience quicker advancement in terms of citizenship. So that's why uh, later, theoretical mechanism of citizenship change should be explored. Of course, if you think about, uh, when you think about uh, European situation. Then this talk is very short, I'm afraid. So if you, yes, all right, thank you. This is it, thank you. Just uh, please read it. <laughs> please, sorry, that's in Japanese, sorry about that. Please learn Japanese by yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs>